Thank you for tuning in to this Prima Summer Education Series podcast. I am Taekwon Gilbert, Prima's Education Coordinator. On this podcast, Brian Billings will discuss using advanced analytics to achieve better claim outcomes. Brian is the Vice President, Predictive Analytics for Midwest Employers Casualty. Please enjoy the podcast. Thank you for joining us today, Brian. Thank you, Taekwon. It's a pleasure to be here. So for starters, can you please give the listeners an overview of your presentation and this podcast? Absolutely. So the business of handling workers' compensation claims generates a lot of data. With so much data, the use of advanced analytics is a natural fit. In this podcast, I'll give the audience ideas about leveraging their data to generate business insights and to get ahead of emerging large loss claims. For those just starting out, we'll discuss some tips for getting started using your data. For those actively engaged in the analytical process, we'll talk about how you can connect various types of workers' compensation data and how that can lead to additional insights. We'll discuss a simple formula to apply when designing analytical projects. Of course, since we're talking about advanced analytics, we should talk about predictive models. Specifically, we'll chat about claim severity models and how they're used to impact claim outcomes. And finally, we'll tie the conversation together with real-world examples of how advanced analytics were used to generate claim cost savings. Can you talk about the data that is available on workers' compensation claims? Yeah, as I mentioned earlier, a lot of the data is generated in the business of workers' compensation. Let's talk a little bit about the various types of data. First is the most obvious, the claim data. This would include data points such as part of body, nature of injury, cause of injury, accident description, and adjuster's notes. You'll typically find this data uh, in the computer systems being used for claims administration. Along with the claim data, you'll also find claimant data, claimant address, claimant age, gender, and job classification. This claimant data will also be captured alongside with the claim data. Next, you've got payment data. This is transactional check register data. This data contains a record of the payments being made on a particular claim. Payment data will be located in the claim system, or it may be located in a separate financial system. The data has payee, dates, payment categories, and payment amounts. If you want to understand what's happening medically on a claim, you want to capture the medical data. This will include both hospital bills and physician bills. You'll find this information about medical diagnosis as well as medical services. You'll likely find some pharmacy data in the mix as well. This is a rich set of data. The medical data will help you understand the treatment pattern and other complicating factors such as psychosocial issues and comorbidities that may exist. This data is likely maintained by a bill review vendor or possibly a third-party administrator. Pharmacy or prescription data contains the type, quantity, and price of drugs being prescribed. In this data, there's a wealth of information about the drugs being provided to the injured worker. This data is likely maintained by a pharmacy benefit manager or, again, possibly a third-party administrator. Don't forget about all the Word and PDF files containing legal or medical records. These files are probably already in your possession. They, too, contain very valuable information about a claim. And lastly is a broad category of data. That's video, audio, digital picture data, and social media data. This may or may not be in your possession. You should consider collecting this type of data as it is already being used in other lines of insurance. If you're just starting out on your analytical journey, 
Make sure that you identify the various sources of data. Locate and catalog that data. Just remember it may be in a claim system or it may be held by a vendor. Ideally, you want to collect all of your data and have it stored in a centralized database, typically called a data warehouse or a data mart. Even if you do not currently have a data warehouse, collect the flat files and store them for later use. While the flat files may be more difficult to deal with, they can be analyzed immediately by using spreadsheet software. You mentioned medical records, audio, and video. Can you speak to how this type of information might be used for analytical purposes? Yes, assume you uh, receive medical electronic records in a PDF format. These medical records contain facts relevant to the treatment of the injured worker. Obviously, combining the information contained in these medical records with the existing claim information would be helpful to assess things like claim severity, or in other words, how much will a claim ultimately cost? Feeding this type of information into a predictive model can do just that, gauge claims ultimate costs. This is at least one way the data can be used for analytical purposes. But before we get much further, I think it would be helpful to explain the difference between structured and unstructured data. Structured data is typically what you think of when we talk about data. It's what most people think of when you speak of analytics. The easiest way to think about structured data is that it's organized into a row and column format. Most computer applications that you encounter will organize data in this way. Structured data is much like what you'd find in a spreadsheet. And this is the type of data that's likely stored in a data warehouse. Unstructured data can be thought of as all other electronic data. This would include data such as PDFs, digital images, audio, video, text, and data on the internet. You'll find this data in various different locations. When you talk about analytics, unstructured data is not what comes to mind. However, unstructured data is the most plentiful. Think of all the PDFs, word processing documents, spreadsheets, and texts that are generated as part of administering workers' compensation claims. Commentators estimate that upwards of 80% of data is unstructured. So given the plentiful nature of unstructured data, it should be considered in any analytical efforts. So the question becomes, do you use unstructured, how do you use unstructured data for analytical purposes? And the answer is quite simple. You just convert the unstructured data to structured data. And while the answer is simple, the process of conversion is not that simple. The discussion is far beyond the scope of this podcast. However, that being said, there are plenty of resources on the internet that will point you in the right direction. If you think back to our conversation about workers' compensation data, you'll find that the claim data, medical data, payment data, and pharmacy data are all likely stored in a structured data format, whereas adjuster notes, medical records, audio, video, and internet social media data is typically found in an unstructured format. Obviously, structured data is the easiest to use. It's most likely the first data used for analytical purposes. The point here is that a treasure trove of unstructured data exists. Do not forget to explore that as well. Unstructured data is particularly useful in predictive analytics. So you spoke about the importance of capturing your workers' compensation claims data. What's next? The most important next step after gathering the data is to start analyzing it. I cannot stress enough the importance of working with your data. It takes time to become familiar with the various data points and what they contain. You need a deep understanding of your data if you're going to generate business insights. Also, analytics can be a messy endeavor, as data is never perfect. Start to identify the shortcomings in your data 
and find a way to fix them. I've worked with many types of business data. Banking and investment services have some of the best data quality that I've seen. Unfortunately, workers' compensation, on the other hand, suffers from a myriad of data quality issues. You should not be discouraged, though. Focus on understanding your data and work to fix the limitations. If they cannot be fixed, figure out how to work around those limitations in the data. Also, spend time connecting the various data types together to look for additional insights. For example, connect the claim data to the medical data. Here you'll find a gold mine of information about the injured worker's medical treatment pattern. This will allow you to see medical treatments over the life of a claim. It's a great way to start recognizing patterns in the data. This is particularly helpful when you can identify patterns within or across injury types. As you start to master your data, look for places in the worker's compensation process where you can have an impact. You're looking to generate insights with the data. This should be a very deliberate process. You've mentioned insights a number of times. Can you please tell us what you mean by insights? Yeah, let me give you a definition of insight as it relates to this topic. An insight is any meaningful business information that is derived from the use of data and analytics. Insights are a cornerstone of extracting value from your data. The ultimate goal is to use data to solve business problems. There's a simple framework for solving business problems with data, and it goes like this. Insights generated from the data should lead to an action that will generate a positive outcome. Avoid analytical projects where the insight equals nice to know. Many of your early analytical projects will be of this type, the nice to know, and that's to be expected. But as you start to master your data, act more deliberately and focus on the simple framework for generating positive outcomes. From the business perspective, you want to start with the action. Figure out what you want to act upon and develop the appropriate insights. Alert a business person when the insight is identified. This can lead to an action. For example, assume you're experiencing a lot of expensive shoulder claims. Also assume that experience has shown that involving a nurse case manager at Claim Outset will serve to mitigate the exposure on the high-cost shoulder claims. In this case, the action is the involvement of a nurse case manager. Assigning a nurse case manager will lead to a positive outcome. However, it would not make financial sense to assign a nurse case manager to every claim. So you want to use the data to identify the relevant shoulder claims, the insight. Specifically, you want to identify attributes that are unique to high-cost shoulder claims. Most importantly, I identify these unique attributes before the claim becomes high-cost. The early identification of an emerging high-cost shoulder claim is the insight you want to identify. This allows for the targeted assignment of a nurse case manager. Okay, so definition and theory aside, can you please give an in-depth example of what you mean by insight? Yeah, absolutely. So let's dive deeper into the shoulder example. You have some shoulder injuries that are high-cost, and you have some that are low-cost. If you analyze a large volume of shoulder claims, you'll likely see this high-cost, low-cost pattern emerge. The question is why? What if you can identify the unique characteristics in the high-cost population? As I mentioned earlier, the goal is the early identification of emerging high-cost shoulder claims. Would you handle a claim differently if you knew it would end up in the high-cost population? So in our earlier example, I mentioned the use of a nurse case manager in the event we could identify an emerging high-cost shoulder claim. 
So let me add a couple of additional data points to the conversation. What if I told you this fact? For every one claimant under 30 years old, there are three claimants over 30 years old in the high-risk population. Now what if I told you that for shoulder claims where the claimant has hypertension, for every one claim in the low-cost population, there are six in the high-cost population. Obviously, claimants over 30 and claimants with hypertension are highly correlated. Stated another way, claimants with hypertension are likely to be over 30 years old. While claimant age and hypertension may be obvious related factors, further analysis may lead to non-obvious factors to consider when trying to anticipate claims in the high-cost population. Here we've identified two characteristics or insights regarding the claims you wish to act upon. Let's put this together in the insight, action, positive outcome framework. So to answer your original question about a real-world example, with the insight, specifically the shoulder injuries, there's a relationship between claims in the high-cost population and injured workers over the age of 30. Also, claimants with hypertension are far more likely to be in the high-risk population. The action, let's screen claimants with shoulder injuries at or near the time of accident. If we see the relevant attributes, we assign a nurse case manager. Attacking the problem in this manner allows us to focus resources on the claims that are more likely to end up in the high-cost population. And the positive outcome, we want to reduce the possibility that a claim will migrate into the high-cost population. At the same time, we limit the assignment of nurse case managers, thereby controlling claim-related costs. The goal here is to use the data to anticipate that a shoulder claim might end up in the high-cost population, even though the reported injury does not seem that severe, or in other words, costly. This is what I refer to as an emerging large loss claim, a claim that does not look costly at outset, but ultimately turns into a very large loss over a period of months or even years. Emerging large loss claims are a recurring theme as they're a central focus of claim severity models. Well, analyzing the different types of workers' compensation injuries seems like a daunting task. There are many injured body parts besides shoulders, such as backs, knees, eyes, fingers, head, and the list goes on and on. Is it possible to use the claim-related data to identify high-cost claims without trying to figure out the various risk factors for every single injury type? Agreed. There are far too many injury types and too many combinations of variables to consider when trying to identify emerging large loss claims. Surprisingly, that's what we ask claims adjusters to do every day. They must take relevant claim, medical, pharmacy, and other information into consideration and formulate a game plan. The goal here is to resolve outstanding matters and move the claim to a final closure. This is where predictive models can add value. You can feed a computer model large quantities of data on every injury type imaginable. After a training process, you can ask the model to generate a prediction regarding claim outcome. Say, for example, you'd like to know if a claim will reach $100,000 in total spend. The threshold could be any number, $10,000, $100,000, or even a million dollars. I've arbitrarily chosen the $100,000 as a large loss threshold in my example. If you can identify a claim at 20,000 in total incurred, and the claim is predicted to go above $100,000, you've afforded an opportunity to take action and possibly change the claim's outcome. You've been able to identify an emerging large loss claim. This is a simple example of using a claim severity predictive model 
Here the goal is to find a claim before it becomes a large loss. There are many other examples of predictive models being used in workers' compensation, such as auto adjudication models, fraud models, legal models, and intervention models. The takeaway here is once you've arrived at this point in your analytical journey, the sky's the limit. So it is possible to use predictive models to identify emerging large loss claims. Then what? The short answer to your question is, if you have advanced knowledge about an emerging large loss claim, you should try to influence the outcome. Maybe you can prevent the claim from becoming a large loss. Think about next steps as if you had advanced knowledge about the movement in the stock market. Assume you had a reliable prediction that a certain stock was going to experience a fourfold increase over the next 12 months. Would you invest now? Ultimately, that's what you're doing by intervening in a claim sooner rather than later. You're investing to get a more favorable outcome. Let's think back to our simple framework for solving business problems with data. Insights generated from the data should lead to an action that will generate a positive outcome. Let's explore the application of that framework to the use of claim severity models. The framework is the same. I've merely changed the labels to reflect the business goals. The insight is called early identification, specifically early identification of emerging large loss claims. Hopefully we can achieve a three, six, or even 12 months of advanced warning. The action is to let the adjuster know that a particular claim has the potential to become a large loss. The intent is for the claims adjuster to craft and execute an appropriate intervention. The intervention is based on the unique circumstances of that claim. And finally, we have this successful outcome, or from our framework, a positive outcome. So to put this all together, we have early identification plus intervention equals successful outcome. The claim severity model delivers the early identification and the claims adjuster handles the intervention. In this instance, the goal is to give the claims adjuster time to react. It is the intervention that sets the stage for a different outcome. The adjuster then executes the intervention that will lead to a successful claim outcome. Think about this another way. You want to get the right claim in front of the right person at the right time. Ultimately, the right person will execute an intervention that will lead to a successful claim outcome. By taking action in this manner, you've set the stage to avoid the wheel of misfortune. More importantly, you've decided to influence claim outcomes using analytics as your strategic guide. But will you generate a positive outcome in every case? And the answer is unequivocally no. However, you've increased the odds of success by identifying claims before they became large losses. Now you have time to influence the claim outcome. I've spent a lot of time talking about the simple framework for solving business problems with data. I hope this framework helps you think about how you use analytics to solve business problems. While the terminology might seem like semantics, it will help everyone involved understand the stated business goal. You'll remember the change I made, early identification plus intervention equals successful outcome. This tells the story of how you get from data to successful claim outcome. The framework will also help you focus your efforts to solve a specific business problem. The most important thing to remember is that this simple formula will lead you down the path of delivering business value. You talked about the data and how to generate business insights that lead to an action. Ultimately, we want to generate positive outcomes based on that action. But does this really work? Can you give the audience real examples of this working as you described? So I have three different examples that I can share. 
First is around obtaining a full and final settlement. When predicting very large loss claims, you occasionally identify a claim with the possibility of exceeding $1 million in total spend. In one example I recall, our model had identified a claim expected to exceed that million-dollar threshold. The claim total incurred was about $250,000 when identified by the severity model. After working to change the claimant to a more cost-effective drug regimen, the claim was postured for settlement. Ultimately, the claim settled far below the predicted million-dollar amount. While the exact amount of savings on this claim could be debated, the reserve takedown was well into six figures. Certainly, this type of claim is not an everyday occurrence. The second example highlights how a well-thought-out intervention is key to achieving a successful outcome. Here, the claimant fell and injured her shoulder and left knee. The claimant continued to have pain, but it was in the right knee. A severity model identified this claim as an emerging large loss. It turns out the claimant was seeking a total knee replacement of the right knee. Once alerted, the claims adjuster had the total knee replacement reviewed by a medical expert. Ultimately, the right knee replacement was deemed not part of the original injury of the shoulder and left knee. Here, the avoidance of a total knee replacement resulted in substantial savings. And the final example demonstrates how to realize cost savings even after medical services have occurred. In this case, the claimant underwent a multi-level fusion. Here again, a severity model identified this claim as an emerging large loss. Once alerted, the adjuster took a closer look at the claim and then recommended the use of a specialty bill review vendor to locate any additional cost savings. Ultimately, additional cost savings of $23,000 were identified. These are just a couple of real-world examples of how data, predictive models, and an experienced claims adjuster can generate better claim outcomes. I pulled these examples from a large list of success stories that we've accumulated. With these examples, I wanted to highlight the different ways interventions can lead to a positive claim outcome. I hope these three examples were helpful. I know we're about out of time, so to wrap up, I'd like to leave the audience with three parting thoughts. First, make sure you know where all your data is located and make sure you collect it for analytical use. I want to stress the word all. Think about the various types of data that we've discussed today. Second, remember the simple formula when developing analytical projects. Again, that formula is insights generated from the data should lead to an action that will generate a positive outcome. Use your data to generate insights. Identify the action to take based on those insights. Ultimately, you want that action to lead to a positive outcome. Lastly, make sure to capture the positive outcomes resulting from your analytical work. You'll be surprised as they start to accumulate. Taekwon, thank you today for your time and the time of the audience. I've really enjoyed the conversation. We have reached the end of our podcast. Thanks to our speaker and all of our listeners. Please visit the Prima website to hear other Prima podcasts, view upcoming Prima webinars, read Prima blogs, and learn about other Prima educational resources. Be sure to check us out on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and our very own Prima Talk. Have an amazing day.